Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, and good night, ladies and gents. You're listening to Uber Radio. And before we get into this podcast, I'd like to talk about our board applications real quick. They are open for one more week up until Sunday, June 14th at midnight. And if you want more information about the positions and what they involve, you can go to our Instagram page or Facebook page, contact us there, or contact us via email at uberpodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to apply, send a CV, motivation letter to uberpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, without further ado, here is the podcast. Welcome to the Faculty of Economics and Business uh, Student Council election debate for 2020. Uh, for the audience, we please urge you to vote at stem.uva.nl from the 8th of June to the 12th of June to the 4th, uh, to 12th of June at um, yeah of this month. Um, please give a good welcome to then our first candidate is. Evelyn for the party UVA Social. Our second candidate is Adil for the party List Seifa. And we have Gabriela representing Inter here at the Faculty of Economics and Business Student Council election debate. We will start with Evelyn for a short uh, two minute statement on your own candidacy and your own party and what you stand for. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, actually. Um... Well, my name is Evelyn Pomaski, as Joaquin said. Um, I am running for the student council, basically, because I think like uh, there is a lot of improvement that could be done. Um, as a party, we congratulate everything that the faculty council has already achieved. Um, but still, I have my own projects regarding new concerns um, in about like the quality of education that is changing right now and the mental health issues, actually, for the student body. Um For the part of uh, UBA Social Party, we have achieved a lot of things uh, through the history of our party since 2006. Um, we have four pillars, accessibility, diversity, sustainability, quality of education. So um, with these four pillars, we actually have a lot of projects that we have achieved and we have initiated in the in the faculty level as the awareness of mental health and the smaller tutorial sizes, Dutch electives, the extended capacity of these Dutch electives, master pre-model, um, calculators. Even we we didn't know that the, as first-year students, probably you don't know that the calculators weren't allowed. That was an initiative of our U.S. social members that are currently working in the student council. Yeah, so... That's basically why I joined my party. Thank you, Evelyn. We can move on to Adil. Uh, yes. Hello. Uh, my name is Adil. Uh, I'm from Pakistan. And I represent uh, Liz Seifa. Uh, we at Liz Seifa uh, have built our party program for this year around seven core values, which are ambition, innovation, diversity, proactivity, consistency, transparency, and sustainability. We believe that a united student body that welcomes change based on these core values can have a significant impact on improving student lives in terms of academic, career, social, and civic aspects at our university. We believe that if we can achieve these objectives, that we can spread our values outwards to the city of Amsterdam and in time even beyond to create a more positive and sustainable future. Thanks, Adil. And then finally, Gabriela. Um, my name is Gabby Overfeld. I'm here as a representative of Inter and um, 
Inter has values that are very in line with my own personal values and the goals that I hope to achieve um, coming up with this election year. Um, they include sustainability, accessibility, democracy, student welfare, quality of education, uh, transparency, and many more. But I think these are the most significant, especially in the times right now. Um, personally, I focus mainly on sustainability and student welfare and uh, mental health, especially because we are at a university with a 42-week work year, and that's bound to cause uh, high stress on students, and I don't think that's necessary. Um, and there are many ways, I think, that this can be changed and reduced and prevented, which I'm sure we'll get into later. So, yeah, that's me. We definitely will. But I would like to first start the discussion on student engagement. And then the question for you is, in the last student elections, only about 15% students voted. Why is this a problem and what can we do to solve it? We can start from you and then go down the line. Okay, well, I think it's a clear problem just because of the obvious fact that it should be, it's a democracy and students should all use their voice to know that they have a say in who represents them and who represents their, their issues and their values. And um, I think that the reason there would be such a low turnout is because of the low awareness of students of what actually happens within councils and what they represent and how, like, that they actually care about these students. And I think if students were more aware of that, if they said, oh, this CSR is actually doing this for me and I really identify with the values of inter of, of this particular party, they'd be more inclined to vote because they know what they're voting for. And I think that's the first step into changing that is giving more students more of an insight into what's actually what their vote is going towards. Um, and I think now with everything being online and the media campaigns being more significant now than ever, that's a, a huge possibility because students may not even realize when they're scrolling past things on Instagram or on Facebook that they're gaining this knowledge of what's happening where in areas they weren't, they weren't um, otherwise privy to. So I think it's good. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I somewhat agree with that, that uh, I, th I believe that uh, students are really not aware that elections actually happen. I know that as a first year student, Like I wasn't even aware that there were parties or committees or something before this, of course. Now I do, but uh, yeah, <laughs> hopefully, yeah, <laughs> I hope so. But uh, yeah, so I think it's more of like an awareness thing, and also like uh, the the changes that are implemented, like the work that the council does, is not kind of uh, uh, I want to say shown almost. Like it's not seen by the students. It's not uh, almost advertised. Like. If it's there, like people like, oh, the university is providing it, but it's kind of like the work of the student council, which is, I think they do a great job. And uh, yeah, the elections are important because you need to uh, find out which values for which party is good for you and then vote for them and then hopefully see those changes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The same. I, I think like we have to wonder what happened with eighty five percent of the students that actually don't vote. Like, I mean. Uh, As it was said, maybe they are not aware of the elections or maybe they don't even know that what ha what happened with the faculty student council, if they are really have some power. And the things like the student council actually have power in two rights, right of approval and right to be consulted. Right of approval for teaching and examination regulations, and that's really important for as a student body and for be consultant faculty budget that, for example, the student council actually can uh, look at the hiding cuts that um, is coming for or will come in any crisis. And 
Uh, that at the end of the day, in this crisis periods and, and everything that is happening outside, um, we really need a strong student council. So we have to encourage to all the students to think about how what is the power of the of the student council that it has right now. Would you say that given the low turnout of students, then when you when the student um, council goes on to make demands to the dean of the Faculty of Economics and Business, perhaps this shows a lack of power? Does it limit the, the Faculty of Students' uh, its power uh, to be able to demand new changes? No, I think like it's not a connection between the two levels. I mean, like the faculty level, for sure, it has power. For, as I said, has the right to approval for examinations and teaching things, like for the proctoring thing. That's something that arrives all the thing all all the time. And the the way that that the the teacher on the on the classes or like the structure of the classes, actually, we have an opinion about that and. I think like all the people like is in, in Uva Social uh, that is related with the student council actually uh, they have been working in this and they are aware that some ca some some topics of course are are some questions about the central level not the faculty level but it still is as a whole party we encourage the same thing so yeah would anyone want to respond uh, I think that uh, uh, so your question was that how does it uh, affected towards like the dean like do they yeah well i mean the relationship between the dean and the student council right so yeah. once how can the student council actually claim to represent the voice of the students if right, we only right, have 15 yeah. percent yeah i think that uh, i guess on a like uh, i guess we'll find out but from what i've heard i don't think it hurts but i guess on some sort of uh, subconscious level the dean can say that oh it's only 15% of the students so you're technically not representing all of the students like it was such a low turnout so maybe there's a point that they can use but uh, I, from what I've heard it does not affect uh, that much in terms of negotiations. Um, if I can just add also, I think it's important to consider maybe that student engagement doesn't end with a vote. It doesn't end when elections end. Student engagement should ideally continue throughout the entire school year because how can we claim to represent student voices if they give up on engaging with what we actually want to achieve once they have voted? And in that sense, having a lower engagement does affect perhaps our legitimacy and what we want to achieve and what we put forward. Um, I agree it could be some subconscious, um, but overall, yeah, I don't know if I would use the word power, but definitely it would have a positive effect to have more engagement. Do you think that, how could we then increase student engagement throughout the year? I think maybe this could be too obvious, but to tell students what we do. I think, like you said, it's such a simple awareness thing as a first year student coming into this. I'm only in Inter because I happen to be dragged into it by a friend. I would never have known it existed, maybe until this election week, but that's already too late. And I think there needs to be some way to have students aware of not only the existence of these parties, but what are they actually doing? And for the first time, at least in my first year, uh, outside of election week, I'm seeing the, the lawsuit against proctoring. Um, now is the first time students who are not involved in student government being like, oh, the CSR actually does things for us. And if things like that happen more, they could just tell students, this is what we're working on. This is what we're doing. These are our goals for the year. Um, that could be really beneficial. Well, I think like actually um, 
Yes, uh, the actual faculty council, they they are working on that and we congratulate all the work that they do for taking awareness of, of everything that they are achieving. But I think like uh, actually it's a matter of um, being included in the classes. Uh, we have, um, at least I, I'm thinking about that, it should be included in the seminars, for example, in the tutorials, at least one slide think, uh, saying like what, what was a shift. For uh, from the student council. In that way, the students they care because they know, like, and they achieve that. Okay, let's uh, with that comment wrap up the first topic of this debate and then move on to the following topic, which is how can we improve education at the Faculty of Economics and Business. So the question for you are, what do you think are the session the essential pillars for high quality education, and is the Faculty of, Econo of Economics and Business currently meeting these criteria? And if not, what needs to be addressed first? Maybe a deal you can start. Uh, well, let's break it down into two parts. That uh, first of all, uh, I believe that uh, at the university, like there's a, a lack of study spaces. Like uh, that's something that at least SAFA that we wanna uh, put forward uh, for the next academic year. That we need more study spaces for students because when you go there and uh, you see at the library it's full most of the time and then you have to find a place where there's people talking and it's busy and it's a ruckus and it's hard to find and I think that at home now people are finding out that it's really hard to study at home and stay motivated so I think on campus that we need more study spaces and besides that I think uh, uh, the level of education could be improved Uh, by implementing some changes that could make it easier for students to uh, get better grades. Like, for example, one of the changes that uh, we, we want to bring is that uh, we want to give students, like, uh, we have bonus tests uh, uh, throughout the year within courses, and those are only applicable if you pass the exam. And we want to give students, like, we want to change that and have that to be that Regardless, if you pass around, you have the bonus test, you have the chance and the opportunity to pass. Like that bonus mark could add up to you passing the course eventually, which I think would greatly help. Uh, other than that, I think that we also need to introduce uh, more uh, courses, like for honors program. Uh, and it's something that the list safer members of the past that we're working on that they want to introduce uh, a specialization called economics and finance. And if that gets approved, then that's a degree that you can go and you can choose any of the masters. Like okay. it's applicable to all of them. And if you had to choose one, which one would be the most important for you? Uh, I think the, for, from these, yeah. Uh, I think it would be the bonus, uh, the bonus marks adding up to passing the course. All right. Um. I think quality of education is a very um, it's a very complicated topic because there are there are obviously that's obvious things that go into it and there's a lot of talk about um, there's this balance that has to be had between accessibility and quality and there's a big push you know for students to have a, a lower BSA to reduce stress and so that they can feel they got in and they can really do the best they can and still make it to second year without that stress of being um, basically kicked out and. Like you said, uh, you need more study spaces, but the reason you need more study spaces is because the university is at capacity and they actually have far too many students compared to what the facilities can actually handle. Um, there are many, many courses that um, students can't even fit, fit in the lecture hall. So you have to sit on the stairs or you don't go. 
And then obviously there is a lower quality of education you're receiving. So then the solution to that would be to have uh, more difficult entry requirements, meaning less students get in. Then perhaps the BSA could be lighter because less students have to be filtered out. Um, but that being said, that decreases accessibility because then the argument is, well, people who maybe come from socioeconomic uh, backgrounds that are, are less, that are struggle, struggle more to get the same educational benefits in, in terms of extracurriculars, uh, MUN is an example that's always used, um, then maybe they won't meet the same requirements, um, in which case I would say the university needs to look more holistically at how they accept students to say, well, these are your grades, but why are your grades this way in the first place? So I think works. you raise a very um, contentious topic and very interesting topic as well, which is the relationship between accessibility, the number of students and the quality of education. And for the audience, for you who do not know, I think a couple of years ago, the Faculty of Economics and Business implemented the numerous fixes, correct? So it was only a maximum amount of um, students able in the faculty. I'm sure that uh, UVA Social and Lisefa have a response to Gabriela's comments, so let's hear that. Um, yeah, uh, for US Social, we have a pillar accessibility, and we of course agree with the numerous fixes, but just in in case of um, physical constraint, basically we don't have enough spaces that this this could go against our quality of education, but of all of the members of UVA Social that are working in the Faculty Student Council, they are encouraging always to increase the capacity in any level. Uh, it could be in minors and in electives, in anything that is related even into the programs to encourage to the increasing a number of the students. Um, the capacity was a double in the minor of sustainability, for example. And some of the US members, they care about this. Um, and I think like um, most important about this is that, uh, as they said, my fellow candidates, uh, accessibility is a really strong point, but we have to have to care too about the quality of education for sure. Uh, I think that you can uh, increase the capacity and keep the quality at the same time. I think that increasing study programs is, uh, is a great way to do that. Like you can... Uh, like introduce new programs and they can be of high quality and you can admit more students. And uh, yeah, I think that you can do both. Right. Yeah. Of course, um, we have been now for a, a few months living with coronavirus and then this has resulted in perhaps proctoring during exams as you have already mentioned in this debate. So the following question is, where does each of your parties stand regarding proctoring or aligned supervision of exams? And when they were first implemented a few weeks ago, what did they do? What was the response? We can start with least Seifa. Uh, the response of, uh, of you, students or? Of your party. Uh, okay. So at least Seifa, we think that uh, we want uh, to cooperate because we still want to keep the education uh, running, even though it's like unprecedented times of quarantine. And so like, it's kind of like we need some sort of measure to keep the exams and everything on schedule for students who've done. But at the same time, I think that there are good alternatives that can be used uh, instead of proctoring. There are other softwares which are a little less invasive. And there are other ways that you can uh, keep uh, doing the exams, like you can have open book exams, which are uh, less invasive and students' concerns about privacy are 
are real. And I think that the university should recognize that uh, really and truly and try to come up with uh, reasonable changes to that. But surely some courses of the Faculty of Economics and Business is not necessarily easy to have an open book exam, right? For sure. Uh, and for that, uh, you can f- you can have uh, different softwares which are, which are less invasive. Like, uh, for example, there's one that... Uh, you don't have to like really show your room or something. And a lot of people like have problems with like, I guess showing their rooms because sometimes they share spaces with other people and there's small nuances within the proctoring software that nobody can be in the same room with you. And then if you make a small noise, like it can result in uh, what is it discrepancy and which can lead to your exam being invalid. Okay. Okay, um, for Uba Social, actually, for the party, I think like it's well known that the party is against the proctoring. Um, and the 6th of May, the party uh, was the first to start the petition against the proctoring. And the main idea is that this is a privacy violation for students. And there are a lot of alternatives that we, we could use, as uh, my fellow candidate, he said about the open book exams. I think like that's a great idea. Actually, for the ones that are not, um, the structure is not allowed for an open book exam. I think like um, we could do as personal assessments, as essays on uh, projects. And I think that these ideas actually are better for the student and it's not stressing because, uh, for example, for the proctoring, we have this aid movement that um, that basically uh, you can even see in some places because the proctoring is going to shut out. So um, it's a stressful environment for all the students. Basically, and in Uber Social, we have this value of accessibility. And the thing is with this is that, well, we include social economic status too. Um, what happens if I don't have a, a good computer? What happens if I don't have a quality, uh, quality camera? And what about the internet connection? And this has to be included too about um about the value of accessibility that we care. So it's pretty clear that we are against the proctoring. And we have to wonder if the university is actually uh, caring about the education or just to prevent fraud of the students. Thank you, Evelyn. Um, I think that you all raised good points and I agree with it. Inter is also uh, very openly against proctoring and we've been very supportive of the lawsuit against UVA um, uh, by the CSR. I think you all raised very good points. The reasons that we are against proctoring include the privacy issues with data, um, the assumption that all students uh, live in places where they have the um, the accessibility to these empty rooms with no distractions, no pets, no family, nothing, uh, and high-quality computers and everything else goes into it. Um, the fact that algorithms can be wrong, um, which means you could be sitting through your exam thinking, I'm doing everything right, but... What if they think a keystroke came somewhere it didn't come and then I fail my exam? And that stress alone is going to affect the academic performance of students. So, yeah. Yeah, and uh, sorry. Uh, and there are like some like malfunctions with the software too. Like uh, like we've talked to a lot of students, like they've had problems with like sometimes the software doesn't work or the camera ju- or the exam just shuts down. So these are like real problems with this particular software as well. So... I think uh, we can look at good alternatives. Perhaps uh, now moving on to the next topic, 
perhaps related to proctoring. I've heard in this debate now twice during the discussion on uh, the um, university's um, mechanisms to uh, surveil that we're not cheating, that it might produce then stress and more anxiety to our students. So I now think we should move on to the discussion on mental health. So with an increasing number of students suffering from mental health in the university, is, is the university currently well suited to provide support? Or if not, what could, have, what could be improved and how? You can start with Inter. Um, no, would be my short answer. Um, I've become aware very recently, actually, that there are uh, parts of the university, the science campus, uh, science park campus, and uh, other sections of the university where students actually have no access uh, to psychologists. Uh, oh, can you hear me? Yeah, go. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so there's no access to psychologists. And that is, is crazy to me because when I first came into Inter, I really wanted to push for more access to psychologists. Little did I know there were areas that had practically none. So that's one issue in itself. But I think far bigger than that, we have to consider the fact that we go to a university that is open 42 weeks of the year compared to our counterparts in the UK, for example, where some of the top schools are open 26 weeks of the year. And um, it's a little crazy considering um, how much stress that inevitably puts on students. Um, so one of the suggestions I would make is you can consult professional psychologists who work in the areas of learning processes and um, how education and courses are structured. Um, and they can come in and, and restructure courses in a way that actually prevents unnecessary stress in the first place, which is only beneficial for students and the university because it's going to increase uh, academic performance and everybody's going to be happier and better because of it. So that's a, that's a big thing. And one specific suggestion as a subsection of that is simple changes could be, for example, starting new blocks on a Wednesday instead of a Monday. And this would mean a shorter introduction um, in terms of that first tutorial that says, oh, this is what we're going to be learning. But what would come from that is a few extra days where students can actually breathe from the previous exams and catch up on their readings for the next course. And I think that just so that should change, we scrap those introductory tutorials? Uh, no, because you don't have to scrap them. I think that they can easily be Change. They could either be sent out in an email, an introductory email that people can read, or in the very first, in the well, what would be the second tutorial would now be the first tutorial. It can be one slide. I don't know about you, but in my experience, those introductory uh, tutorials are they could be they could be much much shorter than they are. Yeah, I think uh, mental health is one of the most important topics. I think that to tackle this. Um, I think transparency is needed on on UFA's part. Like one of the things that like I love about the Netherlands is that they have psychology as like one of covered under their basic health insurance. Like if you have basic Dutch health insurance, psychology is covered for free, which is amazing. And I did not know that when I came here. So like one of the things that I found out that after I got a job and I got the basic health insurance that that was available to me and I think that's great. And that's information is not available at UFA website that you can do that. I think uh, transparency is needed, like that this information should be known to students, that they can access it and that it's free and that it's available. Secondly, I think that in times of quarantine and like how everybody's kind of stuck in their homes and all those bad feelings of depression and anxiety and stress of exams, I think online counseling and like having like a hotline for students specifically that they can uh, just contact and like talk about what's 
what they feel and uh, how they can change the behavior or just talk about it. Thank you. Uh, okay, um, I agree with most of the of the actions that um, my can, my fellow candidates say are same. But um, we can see then the um, one program of the university that has Uba Care that 70% of the students they say that they experience anxiety and depression. And the thing is, like, I, this is actually that something that I really care about. And I have my own project in this, and that is basically making mental health courses available on Canvas. As well that we have career courses, we should have a mental health courses. Something like this, this way up, for example. This way up is introduced by the University of New South Wales, and is basically um, research that's online treatment. And it, it, it helps for the mixed depression and anxiety that any student could experience. So basically, I think like we should be, we should include it. And actually, for the thing like um, just saying information about the insurance. Okay, the thing is like the first con the first contact of the student is the student advisor. After this, basically the student advisor say like, okay, um, maybe you should consult like basically on psychology, right? There is a long wait list for the psychology department. And that's the thing. Like then they send you basically to the insurance, to the health uh, center in, but most of the students, international students, they have AON insurance. But these insurance just cover 10 sessions, for example. So after that, what? If it is, that, if it is uh, issued of not 10 sessions, what happened after that? So that's why I think like uh, online courses about mental health issues, I think like it's really wonderful to Im improve in the well-being of the student body. Uh, if I can just, yeah, I was talking about the, the local Dutch health insurance, not the international. And that's a, a good point that uh, the AON insurance uh, has some problem with it. But uh, I, uh, to your point about uh, making courses for mental health, uh, let's say for members, like last year, they introduced the Mental Wealth Day at UFA, which was like a workshop, like speakers come and they talk about uh, anxiety and depression. And they, it was a great workshop. And uh, like they divided students on uh, in two groups into like depression and uh, whatever, like stress or anxiety. And... Uh, people like share their experiences of how they feel that particular uh, emotion and uh, how they overcome it. And everybody shared their experiences. And I think that that's like something we will really push for next year to have that like a frequent thing where people can connect on these types of issues. I just want to clarify basically that uh, this um, awareness of the event of mental health was made by the Faculty Student Council, not just only for the list of CEFA. Thank yeah. you. Okay, we'll move on to the next topic. Or you want to, okay, you can add something else. Yeah, I want to say that uh, most members and like it was, uh, uh, most members are the CEFA members in the council. Okay. With that clarification, then we can move on to our fifth topic, which is sustainability. I think that all of us, we have gone to Rooters Island and then perhaps gone down to the bathrooms of the cafeteria. We have seen those eco green uh, wash your hand equipment. So obviously the UEA over the past year has been implemented some policies to reduce its carbon footprint measure. However, do the candidates here think that it has been enough or how can we make the university more sustainable? 
we can start with Inter. Um, I think there can obviously always be be more. Um, and I know recently that, maybe not recently, but Uva has released, uh, published the green paper to say what their goals are and what they want to achieve specifically in uh, sustainability. And so in terms of that, I don't think that it's our place anymore to say what what the goals should be because the goals are set. And I think that our job now is to ensure that those goals actually get implemented and and um, achieved because we don't want to end up having that green paper be empty promises and, and words. And um, there are lots and lots of little things that we can we can offer in order to achieve the greater goals, whether it be at lower carbon, carbon emission. I know that in uh, some of the cold months of the year, uh, we can reduce the thermostat by just a few degrees. Um, and it has a huge effect on the CO2 emissions. I know they did warm sweater week uh, as like this sort of trial run in a way for what could be much bigger than just a week. And that would have a huge effect and it would help the university achieve its goals. So from that standpoint, I would say that it's kind of our responsibility now to take the goals that Uva set and make sure that they are actually achieved. Thank you. Evelyn? Okay, I feel like uh, the university uh, has a lot to improve in this sense. For example, they are ranking six, with 6.4 over 10 in sustainability. And the lowest score is basically because we don't spread awareness. Um, it looks like we don't spread awareness in our campuses enough for the students. So, And we can see it just as simple acts like cups cups of coffee. I think like this is really simple that we can see in our daily lives, like um, but the things like we really encourage to collaborate with the green office and with the student associations. I actually think like one project could be like two cups uh, from each uh, student association to make them because everyone is like engaged with the community, with one community and having cups. It's actually something good and work with the student associations. I think like it's something that we are trying to 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 encourage, to achieve this goal of sustainability. Um, we are glad to to share that we are basically agree with the, um, we signed the green commitment and we combine, and we actually invite to all the parties to, to sign the green commitment because we are the only political party have signed the green commitment of the guidelines for us, uh, at the guidelines for sustainability and tracking all our projects of sustainability. That was a response from the candidate of UK Social, and then we can hear from Adil. Yeah, uh, I think for sustainability, like Les Seifa has has some plans. And uh, first of all, I think that uh, we can promote uh, a sustainable lifestyle through awareness campaigns uh, online. I guess that's where this is going. So probably online, but offline if things change. Uh, establish synergies with NGOs, both local and global. Uh, we also have a uh, have an idea to uh, to push for uh, having solar panels on all, if not most, of Ufa buildings to kind of uh, decrease our carbon footprint. Another idea that we also have is to for the cafeteria. Uh, we want to uh, get uh, all their uh, raw processes from uh, integrated vertical farming, which is a more sustainable. A way to grow crops and vegetables, and uh, you can do it at half the half the space and uh, half the cost. And I think that could be really beneficial, and that's what we want to push for. Thank you. Uh, finally, I want to end uh, to ask if any of the candidates have any specific projects uh, you would like to pursue if you are elected. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, uh, something that uh, I'm personally really passionate about is that uh, I, I want to like create more of a, a student spirit at the university. Like, uh, like everybody's kind of, uh, I would say, alone at UFA. Like you just come there and you study. There's not really a spirit. So something that we want to do is like have a festival, which could be depending uh two days or maybe even a week-long festival of uh, these different uh, sports tournaments, musical performances. And uh, that's something that we really hope to build, like uh, a student spirit at UFA. Thank you. I don't know. I'm not in this faculty, so I'm, I can talk about it, but mine is CSR. So yep. I don't know if it's... That's okay. Okay. Well, I think I've touched on it already uh, because my main focus is mental health. Um, so my main project that I would really want to do is to um, to alloc reallocate funding within the university to put it more towards um, mental health, not simply just um, hiring more psychologists, which obviously is necessary. But yeah, putting money and effort into the um, actual structural changes to prevent uh, mental health issues in the first place, which would be hiring and collaborating with professional educational psychologists. Thank you. I am really glad to hear these initiatives, actually, because mental health issues are something that I am really passionate about. And I have my own project, as I said, about the implementation of um, online courses and kind of blend learning that we already have in the in the Faculty of Economics that is combining traditional with online. So probably we will, we will try to encourage this as well in the well-being of the student, in the psychology and psychology doctors uh, trying to help with the online um, courses. Um, and another project that I am really passionate about is too about the, the sustainability option. And as Adele said, it's really important to have a connection with the university. And I feel like we as a student council, we, um, we should encourage more like the connection between the, the student associations because the student associations are actually some uh, something that the students uh, want to should know about the students associations and should be aware of this. And in that sense, they are engaged with the community and feel part of the university. Yep. Would anyone like to add anything else? No? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I think like um, it's really important uh, for all the students that are listening to this that we are going to experience different kind of education because of everything that is happening outside. So probably you should think about your bot, like select the right people, the ones that are going to do really the job and are going to help you because that's the point about this the student council. It's basically that people who help you, people who is aware of your situation and is open to actually receive any concerns that you had. Thank you. Uh, if I can add, like, uh, I hope that today's, like, uh, debate, uh, uh, it uh, reaches to a lot of people and that they go out and vote. I think all of us here are, like, uh, are, all of us are, like, the main objective is to make UFA better and to improve. And I think the most important thing is for the students to engage and vote and vote for their parties, who they want, and just see those changes. And I think that uh, together that we can make great changes and uh, make UFA really good for students. 
With that in mind, I'll remind you once more that you can vote at stem.uva.nl from the 8th of June to the 12th of June. Uh, so please do that because your vote is crucial. And then I would like to uh, thank you everyone for tuning in and then thank you for the candidates for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Take care and stay home.